0: Welcome to the Landmark Apostolic Church podcast. We hope that this message inspires you and brings impact to your life. Enjoy the message. First Samuel chapter fourteen, verse six. Everybody knows that hardships are a part of life, right? But you can get the phone calls, you can get the problems; they can pile up rather quickly. Sometimes to be overwhelming and seemingly out of control. But for the child of God, for the child of God, there's always hope. Don't ever give up hope. It's the hopeless that are miserable. We have hope. I love that scripture. and We use it so oftentimes at burial sites when we're saying goodbye to a loved one, to a friend. We laid a precious lady to rest this last week. pastor's wife, 59 years of age, that's not very old, especially when you're 54, getting ready to turn 55. That seemed old when I was 17 and 18. Let me tell you, 17 and 18-year-olds, 59 is not very old. But I watched as that service turned into a celebration And I felt the anointing of the Holy Ghost move into that congregation, that room there. Not everybody understood it because not everybody was apostolic, not everybody, but everybody felt it. You don't have to understand it to feel it, to know it's there. I watched as we grieved, but we don't grieve as others grieve who have no hope. It's not that you're never going to deal with sorrow or troubles, but you don't have to deal with them with the same hopelessness that the world deals with them. We have a hope in God. I want to bring to you a story today. We're going to start off right before a battle takes place. I' we'll talk about Jonathan. The first king of Israel saw his son, Jonathan, the same Jonathan that was a great friend to the second king of Israel, David. Jonathan found himself in a very precarious situation. I'll explain it a little bit later. They're basically trapped and beaten, and they're sitting there practically waiting just to be overrun. Jonathan probably understands what his fate would be should they be captured, being the son of the king. And so, in verse number 6 of 1 Samuel chapter 14, it says, And Jonathan said to the young man that bare his armor, Come and let us go over unto the garrison of these uncircumcised. The Philistines had them pinned down. That's the uncircumcised that Jonathan is talking about. He tells tells his armor-bearer, "'It may be that the Lord will work for us, "'for there is no restraint to the Lord "'to save by many or by few.' "'And his armor-bearer said unto him, "'Do all that is in thine heart. "'Turn thee, behold, I am with thee "'according to thy heart.'" Man, that, that's a good friend there. Every pastor needs people in the church that's kind of like this armor bearer that says, hey, what you decide to do, I just want you to know I'm behind you 100%. What, what we decide to do, the way we move forward, I want you to know that whatever your decision is, I'm with you. That's what he tells Jonathan. Do whatever you feel like doing, just know this I'm right behind you. You say, Go, we go. You say, Stay, we stay. Whatever you say, you call the shots, and I'm going to be right at your side. Jonathan, sa- Jonathan said, Behold, we will pass over these men, and we will discover ourselves unto them. If they stay thus unto us, tarry until we come to you. Then we're going to stand still in our place, and we will not go up unto them. But if they say, Come up unto us, then we will go up. The Lord hath delivered them into our hand, and this shall be a sign unto us. And behold, both of them discovered themselves unto the garrison of the Philistines. And the Philistines said, Behold, the Hebrews come forth out of the holes where they have hid themselves. And the men of the garrison answered Jonathan and his armor bearer and said, come up to us and we will show you a thing. And Jonathan said unto his armor bearer, come up after me for the Lord hath delivered them into the hand of Israel, not into our hands. He wasn't going to take personal credit for it. He said, this is the enemy of our country. This is the enemy of our brothers and our sisters and our families. This is the enemy of Israel. So we're going to go up there and we're going to fight not for ourselves. We're going to fight for Israel. And Jonathan climbed up upon his hands and upon his feet and his armor bearer after him. And they fell before Jonathan and his armor bearer slew after him. Incredible, incredible move of the hand of the Lord upon two men that slew Israel this enemy of Israel. One final key verse, Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31, says, But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Anybody ever get weary of running? Anybody kind of feel? ever feel faint when you're just trying to walk the walk? It's like, oh, how much more can I carry? How long do I have to feel trapped? The Bible says, "Keep on walking and keep on running." His hand is going to be there to carry us. I, I, you've stood too long already. I want to preach to you this morning, message that I've entitled "Where the Eagle Soars." You may be seated today.
1: Friendship is a—it's um, a wonderful thing.
0: I uh, often go back to my my childhood years, growing up in the neighborhood, the rural neighborhood. We weren't like Brother Jones; we weren't in town. It wasn't a bunch of alleys. We were a little more rural in our neighborhood, but we had all the all of the neighborhood kids that would run around. But I had one friend in particular that was. Well, I wouldn't say he never left my side, but I would say I never left his. Uh anything that that Ronnie did, I wanted to be a part of. I admired him, he was just a uh, almost a year older than I was and I uh I always looked up to him and just thought he was strong, smart, handsome, all those things. Just Uh, just that I could admire in in somebody that I called friend. He was funny. He could tell a great story. And so I spent a lot of time running around in my childhood years with Ronnie, and we did a lot of fishing together. Uh, We would go swim in the strip cuts, you know, along with some of the other guys from the neighborhood. But Ronnie was practically always there. I remember very fondly the memories of wrestling matches uh, in the neighbor's yard. We never wrestled in our own yard. I don't know why. I think it's because all of us had kids. Our yard was more of a yard, and Ronnie's yard was, with all the kids and brothers and sisters that he had, was more of a, a hard-packed earth. But we had some neighbors that, that had no children, and they, they kept a lawn. You know the difference between a lawn and a yard? Mr. Barber would would keep his lawn really nice, and it was soft grass. I think he planted new seed at, every year, and he would mow it just right, and and their their yard was nice and soft, so we had a lot of wrestling matches in the barber's yard, and they never seemed to mind. I don't know if they did or not. Maybe, uh, you know, they'd just stand out in the front yard and watch us, you know, and shake their heads. I, I guess they were in approval. I'm not really sure. Um, they never really made any any comments uh, to tell us to, to leave their yard alone, and so we would wrestle a lot out in the yard. Ronnie was more like a brother to me than he was a friend. It's just the brother that lived across the street in a different house with a different mom and dad and different siblings and all those things. But I considered him more like a brother. I I, I loved him like a brother. And even to this day, when, when I'm around him, I, I, I can just enjoy myself by by sitting there and listening maybe he'd tell an old story of when we were kids or something new that's happened in our life and he's always had a, that kind of a a personality about him that i was just drawn to and and that friendship has been something that has been very important to me over the years and even though we don't see much of each other except for every once in a while on occasion when something would bring us together it's always such a pleasant time when we've gathered together i'm talking about Real friendship. You don't have to be all up in somebody's business to be their friend, but when you connect, you just, it's like there was never any time that separated
1: the visits. Jonathan,
0: the main character in our story today, is perhaps one of the greatest examples of true friendship in the Bible. We can draw on Jonathan's example of friendship, the friendship that he had with David, and we can look to it and find that Jonathan gives us a wonderful example of what it means to be
1: a real friend. Jonathan was an honorable man
0: who by all rights deserves a place amongst the greats, but even a great man can gets sometimes overshadowed when he falls between two other great men. I was in a conversation with somebody just yesterday, and we were talking about baseball back when Mark McGuire broke uh, the home run record. And I said, I believe Sammy Sosa broke the record as well. He said, yeah, he did. He said, he just didn't. I think Sosa hit 66, and, and McGuire hit 73, and you don't really hear much about Sammy Sosa breaking the home run record we always just remember Mark McGuire because Sammy Sosa was kind of in the shadows he was even though he broke the record and and did a great thing it was it was outdone by somebody in the same year and that, it almost feels like he
1: got cheated out of something there and That's
0: the way I look at Jonathan I see this great man that is so overshadowed by the men that he's surrounded by that we almost gloss over him sometimes and forget just the role, how important the role was that
1: he played in Israel. Jonathan
0: has two men that he is stuck in between. His father Saul, the king of Israel, and his greatest friend David, who's in line to become the next king and replace his father because Saul had become disobedient and the anointing of the Lord had left him. Now, most men would have sided with their father. You've heard the term, blood's thicker than water. But I I would say that would be even doubly more so in Jonathan's case if he was a, a man that was conceited or full of himself because He was in line to become the king. Not only would siding with his father be a a family thing, but it was also a power issue. And yet you'll find where Jonathan chose something different. We see Jonathan as a man that is more concerned with what is right than what is profitable. Would to God that all of humanity would take note on this and go and begin to live their lives based upon what is right rather than what is popular or, whether what, uh, or over what is profitable. I see so many people that don't do the right thing because it's going to cost them some money somewhere down the line. They won't do the right thing because a paycheck is going to go away, or or some kind of uh, something that they've been given is going to be stripped away. Friend, when you have to choose between what is right and what is profitable, always choose what is right because that is the most profitable choice that you'll ever make.
1: It's no secret to
0: Jonathan. I don't believe that that his father had lost the anointing. I believe that he understands that his king no longer gets his advice from godly people, but he also knows that just because the anointing has left his father doesn't mean that God has abandoned him. Lesson number two. Don't set your sight on something that is so earthly that when the earthly man or woman that you respected falls, that it destroys your relationship, your faith, and your confidence in your God. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, not, the, not God's man, but the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Men fall, men fail, but God never does. Jonathan looks at this situation. He said, Dad's in a dark place. Dad's leading us down a road to destruction. But I I don't think like my father thinks. I think more along the lines of David. I see what God can still do. And he looks at his armor bearer and he says, perhaps God has not left me just because he has left my father. Let's see what God might do for us. God had not abandoned him. God had not abandoned Israel. God had simply abandoned Saul, and Saul was leading Israel, who would follow him anywhere. Amen. Hear me. Your mama may not serve God, and your daddy may not serve God, but just because they're not serving God and they're not believing uh, in God, maybe your husband or your wife doesn't serve God. Friend, you can still know what it means to have a miracle in your life because God looks at you as an
1: individual. little background to the
0: text. Israel's getting pummeled. Jonathan sees the writing on the wall. They're trapped. If you go back and read a little bit before, before this, you'll see that, that they're, they're trapped. They're in a place, and they're, they're licking their wounds. They're, they're in trouble here. They're beaten, uh, and, uh, and their leader no longer uh, is getting his advice from the Lord or from the man of God, when all of a sudden he's struck with an inspiration. Sitting there with everybody else that's sitting around, you know that had to be a whiny group. You know that had to be a group of downtrodden men.
1: All they've got to look forward to is defeat.
0: They were down to 600. Kind of like the four leopards that were sitting at the gate when one of them finally said, Why sit we here until we die? They've got all the food. Why don't we go over there? Yeah, they may kill us, but they may not. We're going to die here or we can die there, but if we die there, maybe we'll die with a full stomach. Maybe they'll give us something to eat before they kill us. When God provided them a great miracle. So Jonathan looks at his armor bearer and he says, there's no restraint unto the Lord to save by many or by few he's got an understanding. He's seen enough to know that God doesn't need an entire army in order to give a victory. Sometimes what you feel like you have may seem small and insignificant, but you put it into the hands of God, and you watch something that is small and insignificant begin to grow and form into something that will create a victory for your life. Don't ever despise the small thing that you have.
1: Says the odds don't matter where God is concerned. Doesn't matter how many stand against us. Could be a thousand up there, could be 10,000. One word from God, they're all gone.
0: Lesson number three I know there are times when we appreciate. And find comfort in the backing of our brothers and sisters, and that's a good thing. That's that's a part of the church. I, I believe that that we need each other, that we ought to be unified. I, I love the fact that, that we can go to brothers and sisters and have them pray over us. I love that we can come down to an altar and have somebody lay their hands upon us, and maybe other sisters gather behind a sister and put their hand upon their shoulder and begin to pray for them. I love that feeling of support that I get from having a family of God, but there are times when you're not going to have any family around you, and you may have to work for God on your own. You may have to step out in faith all by yourself, and when that happens, I want you to hear me today. Amen. God is going to be right there with you. God's power is going to help you. God's strength is
1: going to secure you. Don't ever forget. Our help comes from the Lord. We don't always get the luxury of the crowd. Times when no one is there to call upon. It's
0: important to stay in the flock. Don't misunderstand me this morning. There's also going to be times when you have to mount up on the wings of an eagle.
1: You've got to keep running and not get weary you got to keep walking and refuse to faint. Saul and Jonathan had been leading the army.
0: They've been battling their enemy. You, you remember the very first thing that Saul did when, when he was elected as king or uh, anointed as king of Israel? The very first thing, and it secured his place. He went out and defeated
1: the enemy. Right off the bat, he showed that his people had chosen wisely when they chose Saul to be their king. But now things weren't like they were when he had started. Now they're battling with the same enemy that they used to defeat.
0: Saul's no longer the good king, the good leader. Jonathan sees his father slipping making godless decisions and rash judgments, which would, as we now know, lead eventually to his backslidden state and eventually his death.
1: They were in quite a mess in this particular battle.
0: The Bible tells us how many men that Saul had left. Now, he usually kept at least 3,000 men on hand that were warriors, but he was down to 600. I don't know if they started off with three thousand, but the Bible lets us know that they were not in a good place right here. Six hundred men that were left; they were all down there in the valley, so they were in a lower place than their enemy was. Their enemy was higher, had higher ground. They're down in this low place, trying to figure out what to do. And the Bible gives us another hint of how much trouble that they were in when it tells us that only the the only two swords out of the six hundred men were Jonathan and Saul's swords. Nobody else had a sword.
1: You know what they were fighting with? They were fighting with,
0: like, pickaxes, farming implements, tools. They could find an axe that turned the axe into a, which that's a formidable weapon. I mean, somebody comes after me with an axe, I'm, like, I'm not going to laugh and say, ha, 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 that's, that's funny. You think you're going to hurt me with that? No, you can hurt somebody with that. I'm just saying they were not designed to be weapons they were designed to be tools. And they were taking whatever they had and they were going out and fighting a well equipped army. And here's why because the Philistines they were they were the only ones that could work with the metal and all of Israel had to go to the Philistines to have a sword made and the Philistines would not make them a weapon they would only make them pharma implements, and so here they are going up against a well-trained, well-established army that is well-equipped, and they're taking plow sho- uh, plow shears out there. They're taking uh, a, a, a scythe. They're taking uh, a, an axe with them. Going up against men that have weapons that are designed for warfare.
1: Beware of your enemy when he wants to control your arsenal of weapons. I'm going
0: to say that again because this is still America. Beware when there's an enemy that wants to take away your weaponry.
1: There's a purpose behind those things. If they can take your weapon wi- weaponry away, they can defeat you. Saul's licking his wounds. He's
0: just been scolded by Samuel. He's trying to figure out his next move when Jonathan tells his armor bearer, pack your stuff. We got some climbing to do. They slip off, and nobody knows that they're gone. It was no secret to Jonathan. His father's slipping, and so Saul's sitting around waiting to die, and Jonathan was waiting on the Lord. They were waiting on two different things. They, the wait upon the Lord, shall renew their strength. Saul wasn't waiting upon the Lord, and his strength was waning. It was obvious he was losing strength day
1: by day.
0: Sometimes you got to make decisions alone, not flippant, irrational decisions, but decisions based upon right motives and fueled by your desire for God's will to be accomplished. I like to make decisions. I like to make decisions not by myself. I like a committee around me helping me make a decision. I like the fact that when we went to put that bid in on that building that we didn't get, that I called the board members and I said, hey, we're going
1: to meet early. And when we push the button, we all going to push the button together. I
0: like people around me with wisdom to help me make good decisions. But there are some times, some instances in life where you find yourself in a spot where you've got nobody to come around you and help you formulate a plan. You just got to make a decision.
1: Oftentimes,
0: those spiritual decisions that are made alone, they'll put you in a place where there's no one to lean upon but God. Now, that thought sounds novel when you're preaching about it, as we're t- talking about it. Hey, you know, it's just you and God, and you're in the fight together, and With God, nothing is impossible. That sounds great when you got a microphone in your hand and and you're preaching and the crowd is clapping their hands. That's right, preacher. With God, nothing is impossible. We can conquer everything. We can go through everything. We can handle anything as long as God is with us. It's wonderful when we're preaching on a Sunday morning, but how about when we're having to live it on a
1: Tuesday afternoon? It's a little bit of a different story then. Israel's crumbling under Saul, but
0: somewhere, There's a man that says, listen, I'm not just going to wait around here to die. I'm going to test the waters and see what God might be willing to do. He might not be willing to do it for daddy, but I've not lost faith and confidence in God. And I'm going to put him to the test a little bit. Come on, armor bearer. Let's go see what God might be able to do with a couple of us that are not willing to just sit around and die, but that we're willing to climb a little bit higher. Sometimes you got to climb your way out of your hole. Sometimes you gotta climb your way out of your problem, and don't uh, and don't don't be surprised when what you're climbing toward looks like a bigger mess than where you are coming from. Your enemy might be at the top of the hill, but let me tell you something: your enemy there, that's at the top of the hill is not alone. You have a God that is going before you that can strike down any enemy. Victory is in your grasp. Victory, victory is in your hands. There's nothing He cannot do.
1: So up the hill they climbed, just the two of them. The whole time they're climbing, the Philistines are taunting them. So here they come. They get up here, we're going to show them a thing or two. They got no idea what's getting ready to happen. I mean, by everything that they can see, it looks
0: like an easy victory. Serious? you're sending two guys up here? Do you even know how well-equipped, how well-armed, and how many of us there are?
1: Jonathan said, don't matter. Don't matter at all. So they're taunting them. I think it's amazing that the enemy always has a big mouth. I've got a saying. Ignorance is usually the loudest thing in the room. Your enemy thinks they've
0: got it all put together. They're loud. They're obnoxious. They're condescending. Don't let that stop you from climbing.
1: You keep climbing up that hill because God
0: is going to go before you. Come on, some of you are climbing the hill right now. Today, you're trying to climb out of the pit that you're in. You're trying to climb out of a place that's got you nothing but depressed. You're trying to get away from a bunch of people that have already accepted defeat, and God is calling you to a higher place. Don't you stop climbing. You keep climbing that hill. Amen. It may be difficult. It may be hard. You may not be in a very good place. You may not have a whole lot of people backing you, but you just keep climbing up that hill because God is going to provide a miracle for your life, at the top of that hill, there is a victory that is awaiting you.
1: Every step is elevating him.
0: Every step is taking him closer to his miracle. And so he is willing to keep on pressing forward. When they made it to the top of the hill, something supernatural took place. There was an anointing that came over Jonathan. It is not humanly possible for a man like Jonathan and his armor bearer to take on that many enemies that are well-equipped, well-trained. It's not possible for them. But where, where God gets involved, all things become possible, and something supernatural began to happen, and he began to slay every enemy that came after him. And his armor bearer came behind him and began to slay the one that Jonathan missed. He's wiping out the troops, and then God steps in. He's already touched his two men supernaturally and turned them into super ninjas. I don't know what they were.
1: I mean, they're they're taking care of business. And he says, if that's not enough,
0: he steps in and caused confusion and panic amongst the rest of the Philistines by creating an earthquake. Next thing you know, the Philistines are helping out Jonathan and his armor bearer by killing each other. How coo- I mean, I'm not don't want, don't want to say morbid. But, uh, I, I don't want to sound morbid, but how cool is that that the enemy began to turn on each other? How often do you see something like
1: that? All the followers of the unanointed still sitting down in the camp wondering what to do. They're all roosting. The flock was roosting.
0: You ever seen how a, a hen house will calm down at night? All the chickens would come in. Growing up on the farm, I can remember that. They'd all come in. All of a sudden, the whole, the whole uh, farm would, would get quiet. And all the chickens would go into the hen house. They'd find their little places, and they begin to roost. The guineas would, would find their spots. They would roost and they would just
1: go quiet, unmoving. 600 men down below them
0: roosting. But there were two that were soaring. Two that were becoming eagles. Two that were not afraid to separate from the flock. Two that were not afraid to test the waters of God's miraculous power. Two that were willing to climb up a little bit higher. Two that were willing to face the adversary head on as long as God was with them. There was two that were taking off and soaring above everyone else that was simply sitting
1: around waiting to die. Our music come this morning. And find yourself in what seems to be a losing battle. They seem like the enemy has full control. You may feel like there's no way out. Do you hear me this morning? Don't you sit with the crowd when God is calling you to fly, don't you
0: roost. Don't you roost with those that are just going quiet, waiting to die, when God says there's a deliverance for those that are willing to step up a little bit higher, face the enemies in their life. you got to face them. They're not going away. Your enemies are not just going to disappear. You're not just going to say, boo, in Jesus' name, and they're going to be gone. You're going to have to face some enemies. But you're not going to face them alone. You're going to have some hills that you've got to climb. And the crowd that goes with you may seem relatively small in comparison to what lies behind you. But there's no power in what you're leaving, there's only power in where you're heading. Would you stand with me this morning? I want you to believe with Jonathan. doesn't matter how many there are. doesn't matter how Ill, ill-equipped you may feel. It doesn't even matter how well-equipped the enemy seems to be. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds you Close your eyes with me this morning. Second Corinthians 10 and 5 says, Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Therein lies the answer to so many of our problems. We have the power to bring under captivity what goes through our mind and what stays there. Every thought that is not of God, get rid of it. Every doubt you have in your mind that God cannot provide what you need him to provide for you today, put it in. A cell somewhere and lock it away. They began to sing this song today. I want to open up this altar for you, and I don't know if you want to come and stand or kneel or maybe find a place to pray right, right where you're at today if you're uncomfortable in gathering, gathering together. But I want you to just reach out to the Lord and ask him if he would provide for you today the faith and the confidence in his word for the miracle that you need to be provided. Thank you for listening. Special thanks to those that give generously to this ministry. If you would like more information, please visit our website at landmarkapostolicchurch.net. But have a great day and God bless.